0: This morning's reading. So, starting with Romans and then reading from Ephesus 4. For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave, nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles. And now reading from Ephesians 4. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God, in true righteousness and holiness.
1: Thanks, Roger. I don't know about you, but I want to be the person that God has created me to be. I want to be um, all that he has um, has made me to be uniquely. And I, I feel like probably most of us feel the same. Um, the series where in the True You, this spring sermon series, it's all about this big idea of living out the identity that's given to us by God. It's Coming, it's about coming back to the very core of what does the Bible say? What does Scripture say about who we were created to be and what we were called to do? Um, because the more we get to know Jesus, the more we get to know who we were really meant to be in this life. I remembered a story this week. Uh, the, um, something happened to me when I was 14. From when I was 8 to 14, my family, um, my parents had this crazy idea that my parents, myself and my two sisters who moved over to the UK and live in England for a number of years. It was meant to be kind of a, an exchange, ministry exchange. My dad um, has been in church ministry also. It was meant to be six months and we were meant to swap houses with someone in England and. And then it was going to be a year, and it ended up being uh, five and a half years that my family lived over in in England. And at the tail end of that time, my parents um, decided, well, we'll we'll settle back in Melbourne, but have a month in Brisbane upon our return back to Australia, because all of my extended family are up in Brisbane. And so we returned and um, had a month, I think, living mainly with my grandparents and I was 14, and we took a day trip to Surf Paradise. And on this particular day, any of you know Surfers Paradise? There was a lot of waves. It was very choppy. It's a very famous surf beach, as many of you know. I was very unfamiliar with um, the Australian beach, Australian surf. And on that day, somehow I ended up um, swimming with my sisters, but floating further and further away from them unknowingly, caught in a rip. And I I was kind of swimming a little bit naively, realizing, oh, I'm a bit further away than than I was. Oh, I'm getting a bit further away again. Swimming, thinking, I'm okay here. I'm all right. It's under control. Um, But all of a sudden, kind of out of nowhere, appeared this male surf lifesaver right in front of me. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'm in a rescue situation. And, you know, a 14-year-old girl was like, oh, my goodness, there's this, you know, grown kind of built-up man all of a sudden here to rescue <laughs> me, not anyone else. And I was pulled in. I think I felt so embarrassed. I was pulled in, you know, right to the, to the beach by this surf lifesaver. Um, so go to the surf lifesaver, Cam. <laughs> um, Cam is one of them. And I was pulled in for safety. Um, I had no idea of the waters I was swimming in. I was completely naive to the environment that, that I was in. Um, because I'd been, you know, I'd grown up to done a lot of my adolescence so far in England, nowhere near, you know, the beach or um, any surf, and I just had no idea um, of what I was swimming in. The title of our message today is unintentional spiritual formation. So that was the that was the beach that I was swimming in. Many of you have been there, no doubt unintentional spiritual formation. What does that mean? What we're going to be unpacking this morning is how the world plays an influential role in our life, whether we're aware of it or not. How the waters that we are swimming in influence us in huge and deep and profound ways without perhaps us even knowing it. And why is this important? Why is it so important that we're unpacking this? I'm convinced this is so important because unless we are a, a people who follow Jesus, knowing the culture that we're in and knowing the environment that we are in, we will not be able to counter culturally live as followers of Jesus in a culture which is um, pulling us further and further away from um, the claims of teaching um, the heart, the gospel, the good news of who Jesus is. This teaching actually originated in our Sunday school series, which we ran last year this time. About a dozen of you were a part of Sunday school. It's um, a discipleship school that we ran over three Sundays in spring uh, 17. But I've become so convinced that this is super central to what it means to be equipped to follow Jesus that I wanted to include in a Sunday message in the tail end of this year, um, weaving it into our True youth series. So it could be something we can all explore together. And really, the why behind this series, this sermon series, is that so much of the time we're not living out of our God-given identity. Do you ever kind of stop and think to yourself, gosh, the way I'm living, it's not really aligned with the way that, you know, I know that scripture calls me to live or the way that I know I want to live if I'm going to follow Jesus fully. Do you ever stop and have those moments where you sort of realise, I need to realign to the way of Jesus. And and we know, don't we, when we're kind of out of whack with that. Um, And why? Why is this happening to us? Well, our culture is forming us, discipling us, whether we know it or not, whether we're aware of those, the pool of those waters, the rips in the waters we're swimming in or not. And so the need, the need is that we take ownership of our own spiritual formation. That we don't kind of, um, you know, lazily or perhaps apathetically think, oh, I will become more like Jesus or I will learn what it means to follow Jesus without um, taking responsibility ourselves. But actually we say, yes, I want to be more like Jesus. I want to live like him in the community God's put me in um, and focus on that and be proactive in that. And we're a church that that doesn't see Sundays as, you know, the the beginning and end of our discipleship discipleship to Jesus, but actually Sundays is all about equipping us to go out and be the presence of Christ in our families and friendships, workplaces, neighbourhoods, relationships, um, hobbies, all the places that God has us Sunday to Sunday. And um, I love, there's a quote from a guy, Dallas Willard, who perhaps you've read some of his books, but he says the great need of the hour, and this is a number of years ago he wrote this: the great need of the hour is that Christians would become disciples. Christians would become disciples. And and you may not know this, but the word Christian appears in the New Testament only three times. And yet that's the word that we so often use, isn't it, when we speak about what it means to follow Jesus. But the word that is most commonly used in the New Testament, in fact it's used more than two hundred and eighty times, is disciple, follower, or apprentice, and so that that is a different meaning, isn't it? When you think, oh, I'm a Christian, that perhaps has a different meaning to you or I than disciple, um, because there's a real sense, isn't there, of, of being a student to Jesus? When we think about the word disciple, it means apprentice, um, and it's the idea of you know having a master. Um, who we follow, perhaps, you know, someone in a trade who's an expert in the trade who we're apprenticing to. So the need to become disciples um, and and not just, you know, perhaps assenting to, yes, I'm a Christian, perhaps, you know, in a a kind of normal way. But the reality, and I'm sure you know this reality, um, you perhaps felt it this week in your workplace, perhaps you felt it um, in, a, in catching up with someone at the pub or catching up with someone for lunch or coffee. The reality is you're being formed without doing anything. Just like getting up in the morning, you're being shaped, you're being cycled. Um, the advertising we see, everything we see on our open apps on our smartphones, um, everything that we see, you know, for those who still watch television, I don't know who still watch normal TV, but if you watch normal TV, if you go to the movies, watch the trailers, um, everything we see is forming and shaping us, isn't it? Discipleship isn't just happening in the Christian realm, it's happening in every realm, the secular realm, every other realm is seeking to disciple us. And so the call, church, to us, is to say, well, what am I being formed by? Who am I going to be formed by? And Jesus' call is follow me. Follow me. Live like me. Love like I love. And and that is the invitation of of what it means to be part of the church, is we can say yes to that. But it means saying no to a whole bunch of other things, which our scriptures for this morning speak to beautifully. And I want to say, like, these two scriptures, okay, they paint a little bit of a tricky picture because as we open the scriptures this morning, it's challenging. There's challenging words about the human condition. Um, In the letter to the Romans, Paul writes, For although they knew God, and this could speak about us easily too, they neither glorified him as God, uh, nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish." Hearts were darkened. And that's, that's a really hard statement to grab hold of, isn't it? It's like, wow, I've turned away. I've turned away from following this incredible God who loves us so much. But this is the human condition without, um, without us saying yes to Jesus. This is what our lives were like. Do you remember what your life was like before meeting Jesus? We have all lived this way. And it summed up perfectly for us in that. Those few verses in Romans 1. Or, um, and Paul goes on, although they claimed to be wise, they became fools, and I love this, exchange the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like God. How often do we run after things that perhaps kind of seem a bit like God, but they're actually not God? And so we're running after false gods or, or idols, as the Bible often speaks about them, particularly in the Old Testament. Um, things that seem good at the time, but things that are ultimately not going to satisfy and are not God. And so they are going to fall short. So our scriptures today speak about this idea that we have all got this human condition around um, you know, running after things that are not God. Running after things that are not eternal. And I love the Ephesians 4 passage particularly. It's this idea of putting off the old self. Um, our old habits, our old ways, and, and saying, you know, the person who I was before, I'm not that person anymore. Who's had an experience of conversion like kind of a day or a moment in time? Not everyone will know, and that's totally cool. For those people, you, you know exactly that moment in time. And, and some of us, conversion, it's like when you get on a train and you, you don't know, you know, when you became, you know, a follower of Jesus and when you, you weren't. Um, and it's gradual and steady. Um, Charlie's, My Charlie's um, conversion experience has been like that. It's this slow burn of this transformation in his heart over his life. Um, but others of us have had a moment in time. And this Ephesians 4 passage speaks profoundly about this. Um, Paul says, you know... That now you do know the good news, you walk in the truth of Jesus, you've got this new mindset. It's like getting a new pair of glasses, or in my case, having laser eye surgery and realising, wow, I can see without glasses at all. And so the scriptures this morning encourage us to the, to, uh, around this idea of putting off our old self, of letting go of who we were before and stepping into all God has for us. But we can only do that if we're aware of the, the waters we're swimming in, can't we? We can only um, be, you know, saved by our, our lifeguard if we kind of let, let go to it and say, okay, you know, take me out back to the beach. I, I'm actually a bit lost here. Um, and certainly that day would have gone a whole lot worse had I said, oh, no thanks, I'm fine. <laughs> I probably would have drifted out further and further um, into the very choppy, um, choppy waters of Surf's Paradise and beyond. And um, I came across a really helpful paradigm, and I just want to share it this morning as a way of practically equipping us around this idea of unintentional spiritual formation. Myself and actually a couple of others from this church attended a conference last year called Rebuilders. It was a conference I also went to this year, and I've spoken about it in recent weeks. Um, But a guy called John Mark Comer, who's a writer and pastor in Portland, Oregon, U.S., came and spoke about this idea of how do we be spiritually formed? How do we develop habits and rhythms in our lives that, that help us focus on Jesus and following him in a culture which is not um, has not put that as a priority? And so this morning I want to briefly unpack this paradigm. If you find it helpful, feel free take a photo, um, use it in your own life, and share it with others. It's been super helpful to me and it's actually opened my eyes a lot to the way in which I let other things other than God's agenda actually form my own life. So what is this idea of unintentional spiritual formation? Well, John Marcona put to us that there's a number of things which shape our environment and these things are very often not the things of God and Scripture. And so firstly... Um, Just by waking up in the morning, just by waking up, picking up your iPhone, that's automatically realised it's daylight savings. How good is that? Does everyone else love the smartphone? Um, But by waking up in the morning, we are being formed by these things. So firstly, stories we believe. The story we live in is is kind of the, the things that have been told to us. And a lot of this comes from our family of origin who we've grown up with. Um, but we are formed by the stories we believe, the story that we are living in. And I wonder what story you have been grown up into. Um, for me, um, it's a story of um, definitely some success um, and, you know, the the call to education and doing well and stewardship, giving away things with what you've been given. But many of you have had different stories. Some of the stories I feel tempted to jump in and live are the story of you know, living a comfortable life, the good life. Um, the life where everything opens and shuts and you've got what you need. The story of upward mobility, of achieving, of doing well. You get the picture. But the story we live in is the kind of, the kind of cultural um, atmosphere that we're in without often thinking. This is why it's so helpful, because it can bring to mind things and create an awareness around what we're living in. It helps us to then assert, okay, what do I want to live in and what is the story I want to believe? So the stories we believe shape us and are huge shape in our environment. Secondly, relationships. Did you know that you become like the people that you hang out with? You become like the people that you spend a lot of time with. Um, the family you've grown up in have had the greatest influence on your life and who you are. But your friends, your workmates, your colleagues, you become like the people you spend time with. And I noticed this early in my uh, career previous to ministry um, when I was working communications and marketing. I would so often adopt the language of my colleagues because you are spending so much time together. You start saying the words that they say and, and using the same phrases. I'm sure that many of you have had similar experiences. But you become like the people you spend time with. And so this is helpful because it helps to reveal to us, well, who who am I placing around me? Who's my village? Who are my people? Who's in my world? Thirdly, habits. This is one area that theology and philosophy and psychology all agree, that habits are what form us. Habits are what form us. The things we do in the small, in the micro, shape us in the macro and who we are. What we do with our phone, with food, with entertainment, with exercise, in the social, in the sexual, in the financial, in the spiritual, it all shapes the people that we are today. And our habits shape our longings. And in fact, as you know, the the more you eat sugar, the more that you want to eat sugar. And the more that you exercise, the more that you want to create a healthy lifestyle physically. The more that you read scripture in the Bible and open it up, listen um, listen to it on Dwell or another app, the more that you want to do that. Has anyone experienced that? Um, And you have a say in your longings and your loves. Sometimes we think, oh, the habits I've got, they just happen to me. But actually, the reality is that experts who've really drilled into this area um, will all say that we have a choice in the habits that we decide to form in our lives. And all of this happens over time through experiences. All of the things, these things operate to form us, but it moves inch by inch, doesn't it? Have you ever noticed that you know you get to October in the year and you realize, I'm not doing that thing that I said I'd do in January and I did it in January and February. And I've, I've, I've left that behind. I've not done that for a while because we don't realise incrementally over time that we're making decisions and, um, and, and changing the way that, that we're going about our life. <laughs> so all of these things form us and, and um, all we have to do is wake up in the morning. We don't even have to make any particular decisions. We're being formed. And all spiritual formation is counter to the cultural formation that's happening through advertising and messaging and um, all of the things that our culture is, um, is so good at doing, social media and so on. And all of the spiritual formation that we're seeking around following Jesus and, and living like Jesus is is a swimming against, there's a swimming against a culture which doesn't have Jesus at the centre and doesn't claim Jesus as Lord. I remember I took a trip with a girlfriend when we were living in Vancouver. Um, A girlfriend of mine from Melbourne came to visit us in Vancouver and I could take some time off my studies and her and I went um, and left Charlie in Vancouver, he reminded me this morning, um, working, earning the money. Um, Her and I went on this six day trip around the Rockies, which was absolutely beautiful. We we joined a bus tour of kind of young, kind of party animals actually. But we were, you know, of course, very sensible, Um, but we went on this tour and part of this tour was you saw um, what's a phenomenon in kind of, you know, fish, the world of fish, um, where salmon swim upstream. Does anyone know, anybody fish kind of person? I don't know if this is known very well. But in British Columbia, where we were looking around and visiting, there's a number of spots where salmon have to swim upstream And what they're doing, um, and I read about it because I'm not a nature expert, as probably many of you by now know, but they are kind of a super fish. They can survive in fresh fresh water, and they can survive in salt water. And they might travel hundreds or even thousands of miles over a lifetime. It's kind of made me think of discipleship, and it's a long obedience in the same direction, isn't it? But it's a long journey, (laughs) discipleship. They're born in fresh water and most of their adult lives um, are lived in the ocean. But then they make an incredible upstream journey to spawn or lay eggs, if you didn't know what that meant, like I didn't, in the same places they were hatched. So they do this huge swim upstream and many people go, and not just kind of nature nerds, but many people go and watch it. because, And I got to watch it because it happens in October and this is when our trip happened. You watch salmon swimming upstream. And they make it. They do it. Now, many of them do die, but many of them make it. And there's this incredible natural example of swimming against a tide. Of swimming against a direction that that is so easy and comfortable just to, to stay with and go with. Do you know what I mean? And this is what this whole idea of spiritual formation is. It's saying... I want to live a different way. I want to live a Jesus way, a Jesus shaped life. Um, and in a couple of Sundays' time, I'm going to be preaching on the intentional spiritual formation paradigm, which is, it's going to be a breath of fresh air. These are the ways in which, in our everyday lives, through our habits and rhythms and spiritual practices, we say yes to this life and we successfully swim upstream. <coughs> But just one little practical tool I want to leave us with today, Um, if this hasn't been practical enough. I just want to bring it right down to an everyday thing that you can do this morning, and then I'll close. Um, One of the great little tools I've come across in the last year is something called a habit audit. It's called a habit audit. And the idea of a habit audit is that you sit and look at your life, think about your life, And you think about what are the habits and the rhythms that are part of your everyday life. It could be something you do every day or it could be a weekly habit or perhaps something that drifts in and out maybe every couple of days. And you sit um, and you think about what are those things. For example, you might spend 15 minutes a day making coffee. You might spend 30 minutes a day on social media. You might spend an hour at the gym. You might watch TV or YouTube two hours a day. You might go to a restaurant and spend $30 and have two hours at a restaurant once or twice a week. These are habits. These are the things that we do every day. You might shop online um, or spend time looking at stuff online. So either take a moment um, once or you may even want, if you're the kind of person who likes to do stuff like this, to just make a note on your phone or on a piece of paper over a week of your habits, for things, the, the patterns of life each day. And take particular note of the things you commit time, energy and money to. And so keep either a diary or, or take a, a habit audit, audit in a moment in time, like to follow or this evening before you go to bed. But consider what these couple of questions, and these questions have been really helpful to me personally. And what are the one or two or three or perhaps more things that seem to pull me away from that swimming upstream, that swimming in the direction of following Jesus and living like Jesus in my everyday life? So just a practical tool I wanted to deposit this morning I want to share with you. This is a tool that um, has been really helpful to me in different moments in time to come back to... Why am I feeling that pull away from the life that I know I want to lead with Jesus at the centre? You know, When do I feel the pull to live the good life or live the comfortable life or the life which seeks success or, or other things which perhaps are part of your story? All right, I'm going to close and, um, and we're going to pray together. We're going to pray that the Spirit will really equip us, um, empower us to live this reality of an intentional life him. So Lord God, thank you so much for what you have imparted this morning. Thank you for this, this paradigm. Thank you for the reality you have spoken this morning over our lives, that we are all in a story, that we are all part of relationships connected to others, that we all have habits and practices that are part of our everyday life. And God, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you that you have spoken your truth Thank you that we can rely on your word to correct us, change us, and supernaturally shape us to be more like you, Jesus. This coming week, we just want to commit to being yielded to you, God, to to what you have for our lives. Would you correct us and, and edit our lives and agendas where they need to be edited or changed? Would you affirm where we're already swimming in that right direction and and speak your yes over our lives. Encourage us in the places that we're already seeking after you, running after you, Jesus. I just want to say, have your way in us. Have your way in our community, that we may be a community that's like a city on a hill, visible, seen, because we're people of Jesus that love you um, and follow you wholeheartedly. Um, so that our community around us and friends and neighbours and and acquaintances and workmates can see you, Jesus, and um, come to know you. In your name we pray. Amen.